Today's episode is brought to you by Loot Crate, the subscription box for the geek, gamer, and or nerd in all of us. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items of gamer and pop culture licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com slash kfgames and enter code kfgames to save $3 on any new subscription. Remember, you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash kfgames and enter code kfgames to save $3 on your new subscription today. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 29 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes. I'm joined by the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty, Greg Miller, and Portillo, the wiener dog. Thank you for not leaving him out. Yeah, I know. He's he's doing some things today that I really like. star power. He doesn't. Sorry. So he, he doesn't have enough star power. We, t- we tried it the one time where we had him laying and stayed out here, and I couldn't handle it, right? Yeah. I've been seeing this new dog bed that's shaped like a hot dog bun. That might mm. be a good fit for him, just to sit there. I mean, I like that. Yeah. I'm definitely into that. Still, still concerned with the notion that he must be involved. I'm just letting you know. Necessarily in the show, since he typically he just lays there, and he is, he is a, he's not only typically the a dog, The big thing I wanted to present to you guys on this dog. is if you watch this on YouTube, of course. Yeah. There's the intro. I do think we need to put a Pertillo's face in there at You're some right. point because it goes right. dun, dun, and it's us. But we, where's Pertillo? He should have a little flash frame. He has a lot of insight and interesting uh, analyses <laughs> and anecdotes about the industry, you know, through his long-standing uh, exposure to the industry. Sure. You know what? Here's what I'm going to say. You ask any motherfucker mm. who's your favorite peanut from Peanuts, they're going to say Snoopy. Snoopy had a longer career than any of these idiots. True Charlie enough. Drown. Peppermint Batty. Nobody cared about these guys. It was all about wow. the Snoop. Yeah, the Snoop. Why are you saying their names like that? Are you afraid of getting <laughs> <'Cause> sued? No. <laughs> <laughs> are these like the are these like the fucking off-brand toys you find in Walgreens? But yeah, exactly, exactly. No. What do, you, what do you think Portillo's favorite games would be if Portillo was a not a dog? Civilization Five. He he would be into that. He has a deep he would mind. Be into that. So <laughs> oh yeah. He I think he'd like Connect games. He likes to play. I just don't let him do it. Mm. I forced him into this so stuff. He, like Dance Central, he's all about that. Yeah, he could get into that. Connectimals, he see other, he oh, see cats for a change. Skittles. I liked, uh, I liked uh, Skittles. Jesus it reminds me of David Clayman. Um, I like that you brought up the point that when you're not around, the Portillo gets depressed. Yeah. Now, what is the nature of his depression when he? I can show you images. Christine will tell you about it. We have to get well, Christine on the show to describe. He looks, he looks a little depressed all the time. He looks a little something actually. I don't know if depressed is the right word. He's something though. He's I mean, a... he's definitely something. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, y'all, it. wait, hold on. This week, I'm I'm leaving this week, and you're staying. Mm-hmm. You can you can observe him for yourself. Do I have to? I'm mean, looking at looking at looking how sad that dog is. Look at his head down, just not happy. That's kind of his natural condition. I just don't <laughs> believe that he's. This is what I was saying about this about about Portillo's. I'm not sure that he's self aware enough to know that you're not here. I assure you, he is. I think I I think it's I think it's not as deep as you think. I think he knows he loves you more than anything, right? Yeah. But I think once you're gone, it's like when he goes to pet camp, I think he just goes about his business. <laughs> and then he smells you again or has this identity with you again where he remembers that he loves you oh, more yeah. than anything. Yeah. Like, in, in other words, I don't think there's a pining or a longing. Mm-hmm. You want me to call Christine? You don't have to call Christine because there's no way she could possibly know the answer to this. Since, She'll since tell you how he acts differently. It's not that important. We could talk about this another time. I just wanted to say that I don't think Portillo is a deep enough thinker. He's not exactly an existentialist. He's not out there in the woods with Thoreau and Emerson thinking about, you know. No one questions. is. They're dead. They are dead. But no one's they, out in the woods talking to them. At yeah. some point, don't someone was in the woods Colin. talking to them. He's doing okay. 
He's doing something. I mean, he's doing something. Yeah. He's doing, I'm not putting him down. I'm just saying, I don't think that, like, when Greg leaves, he's probably sad for a minute, then he forgets what sadness no, is. No, he's sad the whole time. And then he just he forgets what sadness He sleeps is. for 18 to 20 hours a day, and he eats, and he runs around and does things. And then he doesn't, and over time, I think, if not exposed to Greg, he would forget Greg existed. And then he would remember, because Scent being the closest uh, sense uh, tied to memory, remembers that he indeed loved Greg more than anything else, which is why he gets excited when Greg gets home. I don't think it's getting close enough to him being gone, me being gone long enough that he's getting to forget me forever mm. territory. I, I Maybe after a few days it starts to wane. Sure, but, but, but don't they say about dogs that like when, when you leave the house, the dog thinks every time that you're not going to come back? Yeah, they have no idea how much time passes is what's said. Yeah. This is the kind of funny games cast, the show <laughs> where we talk to you about video games and all the cool stuff sometimes. going on in video games. Only sometimes. Most of the time, we're not going to do that. But see, how could we when we have this? Every week over on YouTube.com slash games, we break this show up topic by topic, Monday through Thursday. Full episode on Friday, but if you want that episode early, you can go to Patreon.com slash games, and you can get it early. Is this one worth the dollar? I can tell you it will be. Totally You worth know the why? Dollar. Because this is the special Patreon episode. <laughs> I just decided that. So here's the deal. Over on Patreon.com slash games. There's a bunch of different tiers. Right. To Some of the us. tiers get you different stuff. For a dollar, you get the exclusive episode that, that we do monthly. You have access to that. For five dollars, you get the this show early. Ten dollars, you get this video early. And some other number that I don't remember, but I think it's fifteen or twenty. You get thanked visually. Oh. So Kevin, can you please put it here? Thank all the good people for all their good work. Huh? Twenty. Twenty says Kevin. Yeah, this one's worth the twenty. I'll tell you that much. Fifteen. Yeah, that's right. 15's the um, you get the at fifteen you get the uh, monthly chat and you get Colin or Greg live yes as a YouTube right. video hate mm-hmm. Twitch want to watch it on the go wherever you are get it on YouTube archive now there's an important thing one of these tiers that are up there yeah fifty perhaps I don't know but if you go to patreon.com slash kind of funny man you did a lot of research on this one whatever it's not about the money it's about the the what the tier is I know the tier the tier is you get your topic on the show right now every once in a while we sprinkle them in. But I decided today, because we had to do the, the thank yous and stuff, I want to sprinkle all over the place. And I just want I want this to be the the Patreon stri- extravaganza. So it's good. Why Every you go question. Down on that one? I don't know. You were excited. The I, first didn't want, I didn't want to get too. We too did the siren? Yet. Yeah. It was a little much. I don't know who's in this house right now. I don't know if Christine's here or not. I want to respect her space. She I want to respect care. her audio levels. And per- I don't want to scare Portillo. That's true. He was trying to keep my mouth. need to keep him around. So every topic in this is going to be brought to you by someone from Patreon. Okay. And I think it's going like to be kind of cool. Yeah, That's cool. it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Wait a minute. Yes. Before we get into any of these topics. Now, look at Portillo's face right now. Mm-hmm. He looks he looks depressed right now. He looks depressed. He looks like he, he doesn't look depressed. He looks tired. He looks like he's had a long day. Look at that. <laughs> like, he's very tired. He's so sleepy. The world's got you down, Portillo? Things are Marcus hard. Watches. He loves this. He loves that. You like it's like the crack of your butt, but it's the crack of his face. He loves this. You like that when I, someone does that to the crack of your butt? Who doesn't? You bend over right now, dude. Too. You'll see. <sighs> Sweat. It's like swipe. Yeah, you're gonna just swipe your finger right down there. <laughs> Why? Well, remember you did that to your friends' credit card stuff? What a bunch of weird perverts we were. Mm. I don't know that I ever ever did that, actually, to my friends. Like a piece of cardboard. Put through the butt crack. Well, like you not not like when they're naked butt, but like you know, just you'll. I'm sure it'll all be in my documentary. All right. All right. <laughs> So, before we get into all that, Leaping Tiger, we want to give a, a nice little shout out to them. We're, the last couple of weeks, we've been doing this thing called Game game Nights. Yep. And uh, Kind of funny game nights. On Wednesdays. Yep. We at, what time was it? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Pacific so time. He's so good at I this think stuff. it's a really cool thing. Like, yeah. I, I mean, we always talk about this, right? And it, 
this being the Patreon episode, they're you know the, they went up and spon- they were the first people to come to kind of funny games and take the sponsorship tier, mm-hmm. right? And that they did that because they're fans of what we do, and so they want to integrate with us and the fellow best friends the best way they can. And they do that by planning game nights where they give away a Vita to somebody. And since the app's brand new, you're only playing with the kind of funny people, and it's awesome. Yeah. So right now everyone's playing Rocket League, which right. you're playing that anyway. So yeah. might as well play with kind of funny people and win a Vita. Yeah. That's pretty damn cool. So. The leaping leaping dash tiger.com is where we can go to get it. Right. Or you can get it. There's an iOS app and right. all that stuff. Android's coming. Pretty much it's it's just a way to it's a friend finding app to sure. be able to play games together, see who's playing what, go on quests and do all that it's stuff. It's like a mixture of Foursquare and some kind of friend finder, yeah. Because you're oh, like, yeah. I'm about, I'm checking into Rocket League, and mm-hmm. then it shows you who's playing Rocket League around you, and then you can f- message them like, Hey, do you want to play together? Yeah. You're like, Yeah, sure. Are you kind of funny people? Yeah, I hate Colin. No, I love Colin. I'm gonna drive to your house and kill you. Don't do that. That's all bad. Don't do that. So yeah, some of those things happen. Some of those things don't. But definitely check out the the Rocket League game nights for us, and uh, Leaping-Tiger.com. Yeah. So Wednesday, go play it seven to nine. Use Leaping Tiger. You have a chance to win a Vita. Yay. Yeah. We need more Vitas in the wild, Colin. Sure do, Greg. And I'm glad to get a Vita out there because you know that Persona for dancing all night is so goddamn close. Yeah. I was thinking about that over this trip when we were, we were going to SGC playing the Vita. And I'm like, this is fun. I need a game. And I was yeah. like, oh, wait, it's coming. It's coming. Persona dancing all night. Yeah, so I was, uh, I, I tweeted about this. But after all the, so as you guys might know, Greg Miller has a new nickname. And it's Greg Meet and Greet Miller. Sure. Because I'll Greg Miller that. loves his meet and greets. Yeah. We all do. But Greg really loved it. Did you see that when we got back out of the the, uh, meet and greet in Frisco, Texas? It took him less than an hour to tweet out about the next meet and greet. (laughs) I like to give you guys notice. Saturday, Buena Park Portillo's. (laughs) Come eat at the restaurant with Greg, Tim, Nick, Kevin. That was so good I named my dog after him. You named your dog after Kevin? Portillo's. Mm. Restaurant. Oh, my God. Anyways, (laughs) the point is... Over the last couple of months, we've been doing a lot of meet and greets, and you guys have been doing them for a long time via IGN and all this stuff. But I swear to God that we must have autographed over half of the Vitas in existence. Yeah, by this point, I like the the best one at this at the SGC meet and greet at Wild Wings was the guy who bought it right before he came to us. Mm. He had it, he unwrapped it, and like he was like, "I just bought this That's like awesome. 15 minutes ago, so you guys could sign it." And I was like, "Yeah, cool, good purchase." All right, good you're choice. welcome. So you are welcome. Back to the topic at hand. Topic number one is from our boy Kenny Char. What up, Kenny Char? He's long dude, time man. supporter. He's been yeah. He's Kenny Char is in the long run. A down mm-hmm. ass. He's a down motherfucker. ass motherfucker. In light of the recent Kojima slash Konami debacle, <laughs> as well as <laughs> Nolan <laughs> North's recent comments regarding Amy Hennig's departure, I was wondering which individuals in the gaming industry would be able to go to a new studio and be granted the resources to create a new game. I originally came up with a long list of candidates. But Igarashi and Inafune's inability to fully fund Bloodstained and Mighty Number no. 9 through traditional mm. routes has me rethinking things. At this point, would it just be Kojima and, not that he would ever leave, Miyamoto? Thanks. And kinda. Funny! That's a good question. I, and that's a good point. He raises a very, very interesting point with Inafune and Igarashi in the fact of what games our publisher is currently funding, right? And I think that Kojima, I, I mean is in a different boat, right? And the fact that his game is, I mean, Metal Gear has been going on forever, evolving. It is third-person adventure. You know what I mean? It isn't, it's not stuck in a bad way, quotes like Mega Man or uh, traditional Castlevania Symphony of the Night, right? 2D side-scroller. Um, so with that in mind, you'd think, what? 
Neil Druckmann or Bruce Straley, right? If they left Naughty Dog, they could go anywhere. They could go. I and mean, they made Last of Us, Uncharted 2, now Uncharted 4. Like, they'd be able to just write their own ticket and do whatever the hell they wanted to. And that's, one of the, again, because they're making games that are in the zeitgeist right now that are super popular. Right, Colin? Yeah, I mean, that's, those are the names that came to mind for me, too. I, I think that... I think there's two things. One is that there are more obscure names in the industry or... or uh, for instance, not even obscure, but someone like Carmack, for instance, it, it, like like he could have gone and done whatever he wanted, and he did. He left. He left it, and he's and he's doing Oculus stuff now. Um, but I think that there's we look almost almost at the visionaries in terms of the artistic merit or the creativity, um, and that's how you get um, you know uh, guys like Neil and, and Bruce or or Amy all from Naughty Dog. Um, but I think that there's probably names we don't even know or names certainly our audience wouldn't know. We're sure. not going to get too, too into the weeds that would easily be able to do other things based on their prowess to make engines, their prowess to code, or their prowess for multiplayer design and all these kinds of things. So I think that we we look at it just on based on the names that we know, but I think there are a lot of names that we don't know that can probably do uh, some pretty big things at pretty big studios too. But I think Kojima is the one great example, and maybe Druckmann and Australia and a few others, um, that if given the chance, not only could do whatever they want, but we'll probably have a significant bidding war um, between multiple big publishers. Because I, I don't think you can compare Inafune and Igarashi to, unfortunately, to someone like Kojima or Miyamoto um, or Hennig or Bruce Strait. Just because they've not had the criti- critical success. Uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, they have, had the critical success. They've, they have not had the commercial success that is necessary for these big publishers mm-hmm. to pay attention to them. So it makes somewhat um, some sense that big publishers wouldn't be interested in Bloodstain because not because they can't get make money on it, but because they can't make a lot of money on it. So it's not if Activision is going to get involved with Igarashi and they can make you know uh, five million dollars in profit, it's probably not even worth it for them to do it. You know what I mean? So um, I think that we have to keep those kinds of things in mind. So I. I I am most excited for Metal Gear to come out because I want to see what Kojima does because I think that Kojima will reemerge probably at a Western studio yeah. um, or a Western pub. It's more accurate to say he'll reemerge, I think, at a Western publisher with his own studio. You think um, that's more like? I mean, like I that's the most likely situation. Yes. I mean, I don't you think the look he's looking at. Igarashi, and I mean, he's looking at Inafune, and he's thinking like, I gotta get on this Kickstarter thing. I think Take that, that all this goodwill, like I, I was saying could. last week, right? Like he's going to come out of this a fucking folk hero. You know what I mean? People would throw money at him. Sure, but I think that I, I'm not. I don't think we all overestimate how big Kickstarter is for for cachet and for for getting money through that. But what, if, or you know, Yu Suzuki got only six and a half million dollars, which is the, still the most funded game, I think, of all time on Kickstarter for Shenmue 3. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I think that if Kojima went to Kickstarter, he'd be able to do more than that, but he's still not going to get the money he needs to make the game he wants to make. So to make, but I, I know there's but something I, on Metal Gear. I think like money scale. On, on Kickstarter is just part of it. You know, like, of course, like, that helps, and that's a nice little kickstart to the whole thing, but it's, like, it's also the stories, the articles, the controversy of, oh, should he be doing this or should he not? He can make money this way. Like, all of that kind of feeds into it, and then it's just going to retell the story of Kojima being this like folk hero and all yeah. that stuff. And it's like that; it kind of creates the the underdog thing where the end goal of the money isn't really the story. If it be it, all, it needs is seven million to become the most funded game. All of a sudden, that's a headline. You yeah, know but what he mean? can't. But but the, the point that's not the point. The point I'm trying to make is that he can't make the games that he makes for seven million dollars. So yeah. like so. It's it's more, and I do think that it would be. I personally believe that it would be a little weird for Kojima can absolutely make a studio at a for an exclusive studio for a AAA publisher. I have no doubt about that, you know. And he would need way more than what he's going to get on Kickstarter to to make the games that he makes. We don't want. I don't want him to go to Kickstarter because he doesn't. 
that's not going to be good enough for him. You know, like, like, and I don't mean that he's the greatest developer of all time because I don't think he is. I, I, in many ways, I think he's somewhat overrated because I, I'm curious, like, what the people behind the scenes are really doing to make these games great. He's worked with the same, uh, you know, same core group of guys for a long time. He's got a great team. Um, but I, it's more that he is one of the few names that I think, because of the zeitgeist right now with his particular situation with Konami, that there are, there are publishers that would die to get him on board. And so I don't, you know, like like he's not making something obscure. Mighty Number no. Nine is still a pretty obscure game, and 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 Bloodstained is a you know two point five Metroidvania game. It's just it's not big buck big bucks games. Like he makes big cinematic games that you cannot make for seven or ten million dollars and so I, my, uh, I'd be curious to see like I, I, I don't I think going to Kickstarter is a, is a silly route for him to my side my, I mean my side thing to that is I'm interested to see if he wants this next game to be a big crazy ass budget game you know what I mean like I don't know where I'm not saying that like Metal Gear got out of control on him or something right but I, I think that he might just be ready to go and exhale and make something like that sun game. I remember that thing on the Bok-tai, DS, Bok-tai, yeah. right? And like do something different and just just feel it out. Yep. You know what could I do? What is, what does the audience expect of me? Where do we go from here? And be an artist again in quotes since there are no more. Make another Metal Gear. You know what I mean? Sure. Time um, is of the essence for him though. I think, I, I, I think he he's got a. I think that if he wants to keep. Everyone's always going to respect Kojima, and I think, and, and and rightfully so. But I think if he wants to keep his cachet, he needs to immediately go make another AAA game, you know, because he he doesn't have roots in the more modest. He, unless you go back to like he really his MSX. days in the eighties and the night in the early nineties, like he really doesn't have roots in in more modest games, you know, unless he was like executively producing something. Even Zone of the Enders was was still a pretty substantial game compared to a lot of games around it, yeah. um, especially like in terms of its engine and graphically sure. and stuff. So I think that unlike. Igarashi, who's known for making really handheld games, oh, and and Inafune, who's known for making, you know, he was the producer and creator of some big franchises, but he's really known for a very simple style of sure. game. He, they can get away with more something that is more uh, that is looser. And of course, remember that even with Bloodstained, and they raised you know whatever five million dollars around that, that they still had other investment. That game's going to be a lot bigger than a five million dollar game. So there's oh, there's a lot of different ways in there. I'm just interested because I really do believe that Kojima can get a hundred plus person studio from a big publisher um, for his own to make a AAA game and, go and do what he and, wants and, and yeah. do whatever he wants. And I think that he de- he desires he comes off as a guy that desires to make big that, that he yeah. wants to do stuff like that. That's what he does. He's all about. I don't want to say he's all about himself because that is not true. But he's all about his vision and he's the marquee guy and he's the guy on the on the box and stuff. So. You know, he's certainly the example. Others, but it, we shouldn't discount that there are a lot of other people that can do that too, and we might just not be able to know their names, or they might not be household names, but they're certainly names in the industry. What's interesting to me about the question is, yeah, I think what's more fascinating question is who do we think couldn't do this? Mm. I think the fact that we know someone's name is already establishing that they are the face of this yeah. brand, company, whatever, which already gives them so much. And I think that that's the thing is with this question specifically, it's like you're talking about all the people that we don't know about and stuff. It's like they're almost not the answer to the question because they're not going to be given those things, even regardless of them having the talent. It's like kind of like like Kim Kardashian. Everyone knows who she is, and she gets all this stuff regardless of talent. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. known, right? So it's like really kind of thinking about there's only a handful of people that you could even – I think it falls into two camps. There's the people that you know their names. There's the Miyamoto's, the Kojima's, the Cliff Blazinski's, the, yeah. those people that are characters themselves. And then there's the the people like Inafune that people don't know his name. Like the, I think you know on a general level. But if you're like, oh, it's the creator of Mega Man, that means something. The creator sure. of Castlevania, sure. that means something. It needs to be. You need to be in a position where you are tied to a thing. So it's like I think Bruce and them. It's like the creators of Uncharted. All of a sudden, that makes sense. But then once you start going down the, the the tree a little bit, it's like, I don't know. You can't really just give everyone credit for Uncharted, even though they all made Uncharted. 
Well, David Ballard did most of the heavy lifting. Exactly, exactly. So him, he'd be one of those. Exactly. People. Right, but the but I, I, my only point is that there's a there's a level of like Carmack was the example I used of a guy who has. I mean, back in the day, he he was very creative, creatively driven in terms of, of the content, but he's known for engines. He's known for the fidelity of the game's graphics and how it runs, and those things were really, really important to it. So, and they still are really important to it. I mean, he he would obsess over frame rates and stuff like that, and and he doesn't necessarily have the chops as we saw. I don't know his level of engagement with games like Rage that mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. were like super well received, but no one can question that the game didn't run perfectly, you know. And that was a product of his obsession over the tech. And we don't hear a lot about those kinds of guys. And in a way, the guys that make your engines are even more valuable than the creators because sure. you can get five games out of that engine, you know. Um, and so that's the point I'm trying to make is that I'm sure that there are names, well-known names within the, the trenches of the industry that people would fawn over and probably make shit tons of money to not leave that really are the refiners of these various engines and the technical fidelity, the, the, the multiplayer coding and all these kinds of things. Um, I think, uh, you know, th- that's relevant. I mean, so not for every Ken Levine you have to have a guy that you know. Ken Levine's not the programmer. Kevin, Ken Levine's not the 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 you know. He's the creator. He's the the writer. He's the the visionary, and those are important at a at a, at a base level. But um, of course, but we shouldn't undercut the fact that we're still playing a Port- game. You know what I mean? Portillo, stop. Kevin will be back. He'll be okay. <laughs> Don't worry. So that's basically where I stand on that. But I think it's an interesting question. I, I it's more about if teams were mobile in, in my mind, like who. You know, like, for instance, like, how much would Microsoft kill to get Naughty Dog, you know? Or how much would, uh, you know, Sony want to get, you know, one of the, you know, like, uh, one of Nintendo's internal studios or something like that. Like, it's, I, I look at it as more as a, it's like a team, yeah. you know? Um, a team effort. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people behind the scenes that do a lot of really important work, too. And if you just took the visionary, they might not necessarily all go along with that person, which is why I'm interested to see what Kojima does in terms of like how many people he's going to poach inevitably. Oh, he's going to take everybody. Um, from those studios and, and how and how much value that's going to be when he's certainly on the market soon. I yeah. can't wait. I can't I can't wait to see what happens. I'm so much more excited about that than the actual game. Like Metal Gear Solid 5 is fine. I'm not really excited about it at all, but I'm I'm. That's just me personally, but I am excited to see what happens to this particular person. I'm excited for both. I really want to play that game. Can't wait for that game. <laughs> it looks great. It's just not a game. I'm, I'm going to play Mad Max before I play Metal Gear. Oh, I know that's crazy. But... Oh, my God. You're silly, man, Colin. All, All right. right. So, topic two comes from Min Chung. Hi. This is very exciting. My question <laughs> is, what are your thoughts on naming babies based on video game characters? I named my daughter Ellie when she was born 10 months ago. It was heavily influenced by The Last of Us. I've seen people name their kids weird and frankly stupid names based on books or movies, but Ellie is a real name. The name was cute, <laughs> but it was the real Damn, judging! Ellie and Joel had that really inspired me. I wanted to be a Joel figure to my daughter. I wanted to be a father who would do anything to protect his daughter, though Ellie isn't Joel's daughter. Spoilers. That's pretty known. Anyways, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this matter. And lastly, the Korean barbecue in Atlanta is still available whenever you guys come back here. Thank you, man. Thank you. I think it's cool. Yeah. I like that. I like that we're to a point where you can, video games can be taken seriously enough and like you can do that and not, I mean, don't get me wrong, people are still going to scoff. There's yeah. going to be people you meet where you explain the name and they're going to be like, oh, game. but I mean, the majority, and don't get me wrong, those people will die soon. They're aging out of the demographic mm-hmm. and then it'll just be to a point where, yeah, you can respect somebody. When we met the, when we met Logan at a Comic Con mm-hmm. during our panel, and I was like, "Oh, who?" And his mom was there, like, "You name him after Wolverine?" She's like, "Yeah." I was like, "That's fucking awesome that you yeah. named your son after Wolverine." Are you kidding me? Like, I love the fact that that kind of stuff's happening. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, a couple days ago, Kevin Smith 
on some social media. I thing, saw this post, on Instagram. Post, yeah. And I don't know if it's a true story. I don't know if he actually named his daughter after Harley Quinn. Really? He did. Right, yeah, cool. yeah. So he was like, yeah, in 2003 or whatever, everyone I met was like, oh, so you must really like motorcycles. And For now Harley. it's like, oh, you must really like. Uh, Have you seen Suicide Squad trailer? Suicide, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's crazy yeah. that Harley is now and I remember uh, that I remember when he did that because I was a huge Kevin Smith fan and obviously I, well, I am a huge Kevin Smith fan and I am a huge DC fan even back then and I remember that and I remember being like that's awesome but really weird that this animated series character is caught on to this level that he's comfortable doing that you know what I mean but now like being an adult right I wouldn't bat an eyelash at that right yeah what's interesting for me is like names are names you know whether it's a, a game character or a movie character comic book whatever it's like or a real person you know it's like when you hear it if it resonates with you if that per there's a couple ways to look at it because you're not necessarily naming someone after the character you could just like the name you know yeah. but then there is the other side that you are naming it after this character because this character means something to you. He wants to be a Joel to this Ellie. You exactly. Know what I mean? yeah, yeah. Whether it's that or if it's something where you meet someone in real life and you're like, oh, I'm naming this person after Kevin, who is the best person I've ever met in my life. You know, it's like that means something, but it could just be like, oh, I like the name Kevin. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I've actually I've thought a lot of, about it in in my time of if I have kids, what would I name them and why? And, and Pokey all that. and Mon. Pokey and Mon? Yeah, you'd have right. to. Pokey pretty... get us. Mon get us. That'd be good. Gettys. I was thinking of naming my kid Spa. Spa? Spaghettis. <laughs> That's actually really good. Yeah. That's actually awesome. Yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, there's been a, a lot of video game characters that I've, I've kind of made a mental list where I'm like, if I have a kid, these are potential names. And a couple of them have been names I've heard in video games. And I'm like, oh, I, I like that. A lot of them Final Fantasy characters. Lay me out. Yeah, a lot got... of them names that I'm not going to name my kid because they're fucking weird. Tifa. But, no, not, not so much Tifa. Blitzball. Like, like, Blitzball was a close second. Like, Yuna, is, I think, is a very pretty name. Mm-mm-mm. And I think Yuna is a pretty girl name. I'm not naming the... I wouldn't be naming her after the character Yuna, though. You know, it's just, I like that name. and It's unique and weird. But I'm unique and weird. If you, you think are. about it. You're a you unique know? and weird butterfly. Um... But yeah, I'm blanking now, but there, there's definitely uh, other ones. And I feel like a lot of them tend to be Square games. Like, I like Kyrie a lot from Kingdom Hearts. Again, not naming it after Kyrie, but that's Goofy. a pretty name. Goofy. Um, that's Goofy good. Gettys. Goofy Gettys. <laughs> what are you going to have to do, GG? I like Goofy that. Told, I like Goofy that. told you. Yeah. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts coming out this year. <laughs> told you, motherfuckers. Y'all motherfuckers doubted me. <laughs> What about you, Colin? Um, I'm of two minds because I think that you have to give, when you're naming someone after a, ca- a fictional character, I think you have to give it a little bit of space. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, so Ellie I think is kind of safe, but you just don't, like when characters are active, I'm always interested in, like we're, we haven't seen the last of Ellie. And I'm interested in like what, what you know, what if something terrible? What if she turns into like a terrible person? Like, what if she ends up being the villain or something like that? Like, I, I think someone I heard someone name their kid like Khaleesi or something like that, and I'm like, well, that's so, like really not a good idea because like you have no idea what the fuck that character like. That yeah. character could be by the end of the, that series be a fucking villain and be awful or be dead in some like you named her named your kid after a fucking character that's gonna get decapitated. I don't know what the fuck happens to her, but you know, like there's just all these. Wait until it's over, yeah. You know, and then and then go in that direction. So. I don't think it's necessarily capricious, but it's it's like a little bit when people are rushing to name their kids after things that are like very new. I think that's mm-hmm. just it's not 
it's it's your prerogative, but I think it's just dangerous because you don't know what the ramification of that name is going to be when it's all said and done. Yeah. And that's going to fucking matter. You know, especially Ellie you can get away with because it's it's an Ellie short for Ellen first of all and it's it's you know or Eleanor. Yeah. And you can not that we know like what necessarily her name is in the game, but Ellie is not just a normal name. I mean, like that's a that's a shortening of something. Maybe he did. Ellie. Well, Khaleesi, you know, Khaleesi's a, a Khaleesi Andrea. Uh, it's a, it's a, and Khaleesi's the title, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's not the name. Yeah. Uh, but to me, it's 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 just you just don't know what's going to happen. And you don't like with Ellie, you can get away with it and be like it's just a family name, or no one's no one's going to ask like how she got yeah. her name Ellie. No one's going to ask that. But when you have a, a kid named Khaleesi, it's like well, we know where you got that from, and God forbid. She ends up being like the fucking end of the world, you know, a villain or something like that. Now you you just named your kid after a fucking cat. You can't do anything about it, and everyone knows why you named your kid Khaleesi. Mm-hmm. So like, I just think you have to give yourself a little bit of space from some of these fictional yeah. from some of these fictional characters. That said, I have no like no problem with it. I personally wouldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not. I love video games, but I'm not going to name my kid after video games. But that said, I want to name my kid after historical figures. So it's like, it's so the it's, same it's the same. It's exactly the yeah. same. Although they, those were real people that did real things. So I think that that's there's a there's a big difference there. But you know, like I want my um, I've always wanted to name either for a boy or a girl my first kid Roosevelt, and um, for Teddy and for FDR, and because we're from New York and all those kinds of things, just like they are. Um, and I love that name, but that's a real like they're done. We know, like, we know everything they did, good and bad, and they're not perfect people. But I have a good vision of what FDR and Teddy Roosevelt did, and it's way more positive than negative. And so I'm inspired enough by their their real life events, both of them, to to name my kid Roosevelt um, as a first name, and I think that's awesome. But if it was like the '40s and I didn't really know, or the '30s and I didn't really know what the fuck FDR was going to do yet, it might be a little dangerous kind of thing, you know. Yeah. So that's the only point I'm trying to make. I think it's one of those things though that you can do it. You could name your kid Ellie, or if we're in the '40s, <laughs> you could name it Roosevelt, and not. I, for me, it was just like I saw. We used to always talk about how we wanted when we were both. I remember when we first started IGN, we were like, ah, oh, we're so into this, and when we're both EICs of channels, we want to get IGN tattoos, right? And I kicked around that for a long time, and people used to try. They always say that's a dumb thing. Don't do that. What are you talking about? Don't do that. If I had done it and I had gotten my IGN tattoo, I wouldn't regret it now that I don't work at IGN. That would still be something that was cherished and very mm. important to me at that time. Just like if... You might. I'm telling you I wouldn't. Well, I mean, I I, I don't have it, so I guess I can't say it, but I, I'm tell, in my mindset, I would not regret it. I think about it all the time. I wouldn't. Like, nah. I, honestly, I would probably then get getting more because if... I liked how it looked or whatever. Now, I'm talking about would I regret the motivations of it, not do I think my arm would look good in that tattoo. It's the same way there, I think, in the fact that you named your daughter Khaleesi and because you like the first three seasons of Game of Thrones or whatever. And then, yeah, in season, what are we on? What are we just in? Five, We're six? six? We're going into six. Season six, she starts drinking blood and killing babies and punting them across the sky and stuff. And it's all in a forest preserve. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay to see that. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think that, like, ruins the kid's name because it was, like, from this one spot and then she's growing into her own name. It's not like the name no longer is still only the name. As soon as it's given to, to the child upon birth, it becomes theirs, and they do what they want with it. You know what I mean? If that makes sense? Yeah. I mean, Whereas, like, million... it no longer is just this. You got it from this one point of origin, and then went off. I suppose. I, I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because it's, it's like, you know, the twelve apostles or whatever, right? And you're like, you're looking through the names, but it's like before Judas. Jesus was crucified. And you're like, oh, I'm gonna name my kid Judas. Sure. And then Judas is the one that betrays Jesus, you know. Sure. And like that name is loaded forever, ever, forever. You know, I that name how many means something. Hitlers are out there. 
Like, yeah. you think that there's, like, a bunch of kids named Hitler? I'm sure that there's some white supremacist kids that are named, that are named that Hitler. That is, like, just unfortunate, you know? Yeah. Um, but, I think, but I think the Hitler family, like, he had... He had a sister or cousins. I don't know. Something like where I think they changed their names and stuff like that. Obviously. Sure. But um, like, I think that's a dead name for a good reason. Uh, but I, so I, I think that, yeah, in, in you're just setting your kid out there and that's your intent. And that might be their intent. But if your kid's named Judas and it's, you know, the, the kid's out there in the, in the real world, well, that name has a connotation that is extremely negative. Sure. You know? And there's nothing you can do about that. So like th- that's been, that's the only that's the only point that I'm sure you know, to sure, be a sure, Judas sure. is to be a traitor, right? And exactly, that's why you wouldn't do it because the name's already so tainted, right? But I'm saying <laughs> if in the time if they didn't wait long enough to watch Jesus get betrayed to wait <laughs> to see the one man who betrayed the Son of God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. A, I don't know if Khaleesi's story in Game of Thrones is the exact same, but I mean, I'm also the guy who always does that thing where it's like. Uh, you, I, I don't like. I always, if I'm mean to somebody or say something, I'm, I'm, we always joke around. We're mean to each other. It's like, oh, if you, I'll be like, oh, I hope your plane crashes, which I would never say. But if I did, right, and then if his plane crashes, you're gonna feel really bad. And it did crash. I'd be like, well, that was weird. I wouldn't feel bad about it. In the same really? way, like, yeah, not at all. I didn't fucking will your plane to crash. Get over yourself. I don't got psychic powers. Even though maybe I would go. I hope that, I hope that Stay Puft Marshmallow Man falls over. <laughs> And I just say it over and over again to see if I do have powers that can make Stay Puft Marshmallow Man fall down. God damn it, It's what I see. I can say the camera. I can say Kevin. It doesn't matter. Um, but it's the same way with the name where it's like, I like the name, like, I like the name Barbara, right? And I'd be naming whatever after Batgirl and I'd call her Babs and all these different things, right? But I wouldn't, like, you know, uh, spoilers for what happened a long time ago in the, the, the killing joke, right? She gets paralyzed or whatever. It's not like... I don't think I'm setting my kid up to get paralyzed or to be cursed or something. Yeah. Now, granted, know. after New Fifty Two, she miraculously started walking again. But she, but that's not the point. That's not what I'm saying. Like that's not her fault that that happened. It doesn't make her a bad person or taint her character. Yeah. I just, I, in other words, what I'm saying is that if you're gonna do this, it's fine. Uh, I think you should do whatever you want as your kid. But give it enough. Sp- I just encourage people to give it enough space to make sure things are wrapped up and you have a full f- feeling of what the the name means in general popular culture, whether it's with games or with comics or with movies and stuff like that because you just don't know like I, I just I would hate to find someone in a position where that person ends up like that name ends up being a stain on that child who didn't ask to be that named that because there's an association that they wasn't anticipated because they didn't wait long enough and that kind of shit definitely is going to happen to people that are well, I, don't think, their, I don't think there's that, that many names though that like have Khaleesi that level. would never be Judas is what, what I'm saying I'm not, that was just my an example I don't I, I don't know what's so funny about it really like I don't see like how that like like I'm just being honest like Khaleesi is just an example of like you just don't know what that character like what's gonna happen with that character what, what's like just be patient and wait you know if you're if you're naming your kid after like a fictional character that you have no control over the fate of until all said and done there's no reason to just not wait and that was the point I was trying to make was like I want to name my kids after like historical figures and if I have kids and we have enough time and distance to just be able to yeah, judge but you them can't actually. really like hold off on naming your kid you know no but you can hold off on using a name that you don't that's that could be loaded later on I'm just saying it's not it's it's not gonna hurt you it's gonna hurt them. I think that's yeah. a totally reasonable and not funny thing to say. I, remember, like, was, I, don't, I, like, I don't, you know, like, that's just... It's interesting. I was reading an article a while back, and I think I talked about this on Game of Grady show at some point, but it was, like, looking at each year and what the most popular names are, and that there's always a, a high percentage of them that are names that are unique to that year based on pop culture and what was going on yeah, at yeah. that time. And it's so weird to look at and just be like, Millie oh, Vanilli. There was, I'm sure there was a lot of, yeah, that going on. And then... And, 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 um, Someone out there is named Millie. When Millie. High School Musical came out, like... In the top ten names of the year, like five of them were character names from High School Musical. Oh, really? 
and like uh, or the actors' names. Like one of them was Zach Corbin, Corbin Blue. Oh, okay. And um, the, the Corbins. There was more Corbins than ever before. And like, yeah, now Khaleesi and a lot of Game of Thrones characters are just being thrown out there. And there was certain video game ones too. Like I remember Hodor at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Someone name your kid Hodor. <laughs> There's got to be a Hodor. How many? I, what I really want to know now is how many Judases do you think there are born every year? Some motherfuckers like I don't care. I like that name. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there are Judases out there. I just think that 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 is like a, that's just an example of an exceptionally fucking loaded yeah, name. Yeah, obviously. You know. Um, probably the most extreme version of of that you could possibly think of, really. You know, well, I'm sure there's other ones, but I don't know. To me, it's just like names are important; and they mean something. And people always talk about how, like, you 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 might have a nerdy idea for a name or whatever. It has not necessarily nothing to do with games or comics or pop culture, but that ultimately that child is the one that has to go through life with that name. And sure. so you just have to be very careful with, you know. I don't think that's not a reasonable thing to say at all, frankly. You know, to just to just make sure. Um, that that's a name they can be proud of, or at least a name that that doesn't conjure up other images in people's minds of things that are not necessarily good. You know. All right, I looked up the most popular names of 2015 so far. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't know the sources of many. Michael. Of these. Some of the. I mean, people are getting real creative. I'll tell you what. There's a uh, for girls' names, Ainsley, A I N S L E Y. That's a character from West Wing. Um, that's probably Adams. why it's happening. The proliferation of Netflix. Brioni. Enough time. Enough time has passed. B r y o n y. Baroni. Brioni. B r y o n y. Eleonora. Era. E i r. This isn't a real nope, thing. No, these are these is are. This is like most popular new names. Yeah. M- no, new no, words. no, no, no. The hundred hottest baby names of 2015. Yeah. It's the most kids being named this shit. Chair leg. I mean, I'm reading. Chair I'm reading. <laughs> Primrose. P R I M R O S E. That's from the Hunger Games. The oh, is it? Yeah. Well, so there you go. The um, Pandora. Yeah, that's a great name to name your kid. Um, Spotify's up next. <laughs> like, are you <laughs> like, like that's an example? That's an example of like people maybe are just maybe most people will go through their lives out. No, that's like a really negative name to have. Pandora. <laughs> Why are people like not thinking about the, about the, these? They're these taking names. it back, Colin. It's a pretty name. <laughs> Man, these yeah, there's Pax. Someone, a dude named Pax. P A X. Yeah. God damn it, Penny Arcade. All these babies, Rhett. all these babies getting conceived. Rhett's popping up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get credit Link? to Rhett and Link for that one. All right, all right, all right. Anyways, yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. I'm glad that people are getting more creative with names though, because names are just very stagnant right now. Mm. You know, like I I. I want to, that's why, like, I just want to go back and just find, when I was younger, I always knew I wanted to name my kid after, kids after historical figures, and I used to, when I was younger, I was like, Madison would be a great name, and stuff like that, that name is so overused now, so, like, the, you have to get, like, m- more, and like, and it just happens over and over again with names that are once creative that then people latch onto and use yeah, over and over yeah. again, Jackson's another great example, um, those are great names, but now everyone's named Jackson yeah. Madison, so, like, I, I've, I've been in, like, so many situations where, like, with little kids running around a store, or whatever, where, like, Parents are yelling at him, Jackson or Madison. I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of these kids out there. Um, <laughs> so you have to like go deeper into the well based on like what you're inspired by. And so I, I've I've wanted to um, I love I love the idea of even taking names that are not necessarily even that don't even really sound like first names and, and working the first names. Roosevelt's a great example of that. So like and just calling it if it's a girl, calling her Rose or whatever. Um, but just finding just finding a name that you can identify with is great, and whether that's in history, whether that's in comics or movies or whatever. I just say, like, wait until that... If it's a real person, wait until they're dead so there's nothing fucking bad that can happen. And if it's a, a video game character, wait until you know... Or a comic book character, just wait. You know? Because ultimately, 
you know, you could be setting your kid up for for getting teased and and just having to carry through this name. You know, Khaleesi's probably gonna end up being a fucking terrible person at the end of the at the end of the books. Mm-hmm. If she's not already dead, I don't know. I don't really care at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, topic number three comes from Reed Booman. Yes, I. Well, hold on. See, there's here's the problem with these uh, things. They always have their question, but it's surrounded by a bunch of like notes to us and all this stuff. Sure. So I don't even know the context of this because you just copy and paste it in. I should probably erase that before I read yep, these. Yeah, be helpful. Yeah, I, I'm going to do that. But anyway, my topic is, with the four main gaming companies slash services, Nintendo, Xbox, PlayStation, and PC, a.k.a. Steam. Steam! Do you guys see a future where any of them merge together or buy each other? Mm. And do you think they should? For example, Nintendo publishing games for PlayStation or Steam store on Xbox. Colin, yes, uh, right? I don't uh, merging. No, uh, making games for each other. Sure, uh, I think Nintendo is obviously the most likely culprit to make games for someone else um, out of that group of four uh, individuals. Steam, <laughs> I, I think, uh, is so ingenious and makes so much money that there's no reason for them to do anything. I think that if they just like kind of held pat, that they'd be fine. Although I, I still wonder what the future of PC gaming is ultimately when compared to console gaming as well. I don't know that either of them are necessarily safe. And what I mean by that is that there might be some sort of ubiquitous gaming apparatus in the future, a unified console that is neither that is neither necessarily a console nor a PC. That is just something you plug into a TV or plug into a monitor or whatever. So I don't know that I don't think any of them are necessarily safe from one another. Um, I think people talk about PC gaming as having longer legs, and I think that's probably true. But I think that um, ultimately, all these guys, if they want to survive in this space, will be making games for one system in the future. I just don't know when. That, I think people thought that that might have even been now, um, ten years ago, for instance. Um, yet we are still in this space. So who the fuck really knows? But mm-hmm. Microsoft, I think it's likely that Microsoft sells Xbox at some point. That that's been rumored for a long time, and I think that that's entirely possible. Uh, Sony makes so much money off of PlayStation compared to what Microsoft makes on Xbox that they kind of need them. Although I think it's possible that they spin off eventually as well. Um, and then Nintendo, I think, you know, we'll see what happens with NX, but I, I think that, uh, um, I don't think it's, it's out of this world at all to consider the fact that they'll probably be making games for those two guys, um, if NX fails. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think the fact how it will go down, right? And that Nintendo will eventually end up putting games everywhere, becoming Sega 2.0, but being successful at yeah. it. Going out and doing that, and then, yeah, they're not going to get bought. They're going to still have money in the coffers because they're getting be making money because their developers are making awesome games that work and are super fun to play, and now you can play them on anything. I think the m- most likely scenario he has in there would be, yeah, Xbox doing something with Steam. You know yeah, what I mean? That's that, interesting. I've never even really thought about that. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know how it would work, though, because just the... The fact of the con- you need the controller, sure. Compared to the but that's the whole thing with Steam, the Steam boxes and their controller and all that goofy yeah. stuff, right? I mean, there is a big picture mode. Like, I, I, it's not out of the realm of possibilities to think about there being, cla- you know, the what, how do you compete with Gaikai or whatever? You know, PlayStation now. Not that you really need to anymore because it's nothing. But you know, in the future, right, when it is better and there is there's even less latency, that yeah, you're using your Xbox to your Xbox two to get it, and you have your Steam app, big picture mode app that is connecting to the games you've bought on Steam to play them through here to do this, like, you know, stream it off or download mm-hmm. a little bit and play through it and keep downloading in the background and stuff like that. That could work. It wouldn't be every game, obviously, but there'd be games where it could work and do that. Mm-hmm. And that would be the thing you would need to, you figure, is like, the you see it right now with Windows 10, right? Is like, the walls continue to fall down, so Microsoft is just one company, right? And it is one platform and all that stuff. When when those are when those barriers are gone, then it hopefully communicates even better with Steam. It does give you that PC like experience if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing. The the you know the problem there would be if they get spun out. If Xbox does, which you hear the rumor about all the time, 
that people are looking at that. And that's the way, you know, a way Microsoft would want to do Xbox. Mm-hmm. Well, think of stuff that's not likely, but just like hypothesizing on what could happen. If Nintendo were to actually merge with one of the companies, yeah. do you think that there'd be a major difference between Nintendo merging with PlayStation or merging with Xbox? What well, I mean, in terms of like a qual- like what the companies would look like in terms yeah. of yeah. I mean, whoever it merged with would be that'd be fucking insane. And that would be really, really, really hard to overcome, I feel like, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if it was like we've merged with Xbox and now on Xbox Live, everything from virtual console is up, right? Like that would be insane. There's a che- there's Chivos on it and everything like that. In terms of like what it looks like, I assume, right? I mean, I feel like Xbox is such a Western company. That would be the thing, right? Is like they're already so Western versus how so Japanese Nintendo is. Whereas with Sony, I feel like as siloed as Sony is on territory to territory, developer to developer, that they'd pretty much be left alone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's whereas I think Nintendo would try to, or Xbox Nintendo would try to make it much more. Mario's everywhere on your dashboard or whatever. Like the chief and him are doing stuff all this left and right. Yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like if they were to merge with Sony, and I'm obviously I keep talking as if I'm giving the, Sony's buying Nintendo is how I'm I'm thinking it in my head, right? Yeah, but it would be that, yeah, that be. they would just be another first party developer, right? and they'd have. Obviously, there's that's not exactly what it would be, but that's how I feel like they'd be run. You know what I mean? Like in, from the Nintendo group, here's what we have. Da, 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 da. Yeah. I think, I mean, that would never happen for, I mean, we, yeah. I mean it was all yeah. hypothetical. Nintendo, Nintendo is way more valuable than, than Xbox or PlayStation. So th- if anyone was going to merge with anyone else, I think it would be like Xbox and PlayStation merging to survive. Um, in a in a future, just because Nintendo's IP alone is is worth so much more than than what you know PlayStation and Xbox's prolific outputs are, uh, because of the bad blood of between Sony and Nintendo going back a long time, as we've said before, there was no way that they I I I I find it if they were going to make if Nintendo was going to go third party but do something exclusive, they would actually do it with Xbox. Um, but I think that the future is that they just make games for everybody. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, just monetarily, it's it's hard to talk about that in even in a hypothetical sense because Nintendo is just worth is just really valuable compared to the PlayStation as a brand is very valuable and the Xbox as a brand is very valuable. But I think Nintendo based only on their IP um, and the fact that when you buy them, they wouldn't turn into a first party suit. They already have like fifteen of them, so it'd be like you know you're getting a, you're whole, getting a whole. It's like an, an incredible. It's it's that's a big that's a heavy lift. You know, um, I'd be super interested to see how that, how that all went down. How, I, I, how many conversations do you think there's been, Colin? Have there been ever legitimate conversations, do you think, between Xbox and Nintendo in terms of getting an exclusive game? No. No? I don't I would so. love to think that there have been. I would just love to think when Xbox was trying to fucking overthrow like, the world, they Knock on there. the door and they're like, hey, just, like, just check. No? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe just they had those feelings out there. I don't think, I think Nintendo would laugh at it. No, I, and I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I just wonder. Yeah. Maybe I, 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 you know, it's it, again, as we said so many times, I wouldn't have ever guessed that they would have finally swallowed their pride and went on on mobile. So, um, I don't think we're too far off. If especially if NX is a disaster, um, like Wii U is, then you know, like we're not too far off from from them putting their games on other consoles. And they should. That's what they should do. They, mm-hmm. they, they're not. They don't make good hardware, and that's fine. That's that's totally fine. They make great games, and they should focus on that. And not even worry about the hardware anymore. I, I wish that we were in that future. I think that'd be fantastic for gamers, but. Um, we're not in that place yet, and I'm still interested to see what NX is. I think if they can pull, a, you know, pull a rabbit out of their hat, I think it's totally possible. The rumors, whether substantiated or not, about it doesn't don't sound too promising um, in terms of power, anyway. Um, which is going to be necessary to attract third party support. It seems like it's just like kind of like Groundhog's Day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, 
But who knows? I'm, I'm trying to remain optimistic about NX because we literally don't know anything substantial about it at all. We don't know anything about it other than rumors. So, yeah. um, I don't know. What do you think the difference would be between Nintendo going third party for everybody and Nintendo merging with one of the, the two straight up? What do you mean? I mean, the, the difference would be huge for whoever they did that with. Uh, yeah, like, but, like, but I mean, I, so what do you like? What do you think it would mean? Not for the the companies themselves, but more just for like how like what would the products? How would the products differ between those things? Uh, I think the digital offerings on whoever netted Nintendo would be huge. Like Greg said, I mean, they, they just have a huge catalog, hundreds and hundreds of games they can put on uh, those systems, and then they're going to get all their developers. So it's it's. Um, so you're going to have your Fire Emblems and your Marios. And I mean, your, it would and, finally be what, a lot we're, of stuff. what we're talking about all the time with PlayStation 4 and Xbox One is the fact that there's no no diversity between these two consoles. They're, it's the exclusives, and that's it. You know what I mean? And that's why we're, we're always like, well, it would have been really interesting to see Xbox commit to their vision. And we are this entertainment box. And we are Connect, and you're, we're going to show you why you should love it, right? Because then there would have been parity there. There would have been something different. When you finally, if in this weird world, Nintendo comes in and merges with one of them, then finally there is, I think, hands down, a definitive winner. There's a definitive leader. There's this is why. What, which bit box should I buy? You should buy Sony's Nintendo box. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you should get it's all, everything you love from Sony and everything you love from Nintendo in one. You know what I mean? And sure, you're gonna miss exclusives like Halo or vice versa. You're gonna miss exclusives like Uncharted, but you're gonna get every one of these Nintendo games, yeah. classic things you've missed. You're gonna get the brand new Mario, the brand new Metroid eventually. The brand, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I guess I guess the question I'm asking to put it in a better way is. Do you think that Nintendo going third party would mean that you're only getting the like a few core games everywhere? Whereas if they merged, then you would get all the little developers making the different games. Because mm. I, 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 if Nintendo were to just go third party, does that mean games like Fire Emblem and um, F Zero and I mean Metroid would probably be safe, but like there's certain ones that's like they would not be a thing anymore. And all of a sudden, third like it's like you look at Sega, I see what you're saying. Right? I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I don't know. I don't. Th- I think even third party, you're still getting Fire Emblem. You know what I mean? There's still an audience for that. Whether, it, but it probably be a phone game if they're trying to be, you know, mobile and stick with what's already working, right? If they're trying to, ch- ch- I think that's what you would see, right? Is that the big exclusives you think about your Zelda, your Mario, and I'm talking about you know the console quality games that they put on Wii U now, right? Would go everywhere, and the games you think of for your DS would probably go to the mobile market. Or be yeah, maybe it's mobile and download stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're downloadable titles, but they'd still be there. I think they'd be in the if they're gonna go that way, they'd be in the PSN drop and the Xbox Live. You know, download thing. I don't think it would be okay. These are only on phones, and these are only there. That's not. They want to make money. They want it as many places as they can get it. Yeah, I don't. I think it's the exact opposite, really. I think that the smaller the big games are going to do fun, even better and the smaller games will have a bigger platform for people to play them because they're not going to be stranded on Nintendo hardware anymore so like I think that like it, it opens up a whole new world of wonder for Metroid and F-Zero and all these things like if you could not strand it on Wii U but put it on consoles that people actually own and play and engage with on a regular basis um then obviously Mario is going to do even better, but of course, then you're going to be able to open up a, a, a reality where an F Zero game could sell a few million copies, or a Metroid game can sell more than a million or two million copies. Like I think that, if anything, it helps the smaller games, you know. And I think that Nintendo just grows from that point, you know. That's why it's so exciting for them to be a really, to be an Activision almost, not I mean, necessarily an annualization, that, that, but that's but, the thing. There is, is like if they went third party, what would that even look like? Because I've always kind of thought in my head just that it would be they'd be much smaller and they would just be making these games and they would have more of a, a schedule of, you know, maybe the two games a year or whatever. But to think of them as an Activision where they are doing a whole bunch of shit at once 
is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, if they, I mean, if they, if they went third party, cut out hardware, and kept the status quo, otherwise, I mean, they would have, they would still be putting out 10, 12, 15 games a year. I mean, plus they could be a publisher of games. You know, they mm-hmm. can, they can, they can be a. They would be obviously publishing their own internal games like they do now, but and but they could be identifying and finding pub, uh, developers that to work with, like if they have been on Wii U, especially like Platinum, to 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 deal with and, and publish their games too. Nintendo could be huge, and I feel like I feel like the ironic thing is that Nintendo and I think some Nintendo fans think that Nintendo is best equipped to be a hardware manufacturer, but I actually think Nintendo could be bigger than ever if they weren't. Um, oh yeah, and um, be like a dot like a dominant if not the dominant force in quality AAA games. Not to mention, but then unlike Activision um, and to a lesser extent, unlike Ubisoft and unlike you know EA, they would have smaller games too because I think that that's part of their heritage and they don't have to charge fifty or sixty dollars for all these games. They can charge ten or fifteen or twenty dollars if they want to release those games on on something like Vita. Although Vita won't get the games, but something like a, a mobile platform in the future or a, a future handheld. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's unpredictable. It's, a, it's an interesting question because I think Nintendo's, the complexion of Nintendo changes radically if they if they do something like that. And I think we're going to see that in, in, um, depending on the fate of NX. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, guys. Final topic, as always, is a whole smorgasbord of questions from the audience. These are, are taken, these are not Patreon. These are from kindoffunny.com slash forums. So go there, leave your topic, we'll get to it. It's going to be a fun time. Just like Dan Phillips did. He wants to know, what game magazines did we grow up reading and have a subscription to? EGM. We're trying to give me monthly was it for me, man. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, had, I had Game Informer too, obviously, when they made their deals with EB at the time. Um... I picked up Game Pro. That was like the gross, you know, the supermarkets one where I'd yeah. page through it and then ask mom if I could get it. But EGM was the one that I subscribed to straight up and was with forever. You know what I mean? Until it yeah. ran out, until it was over. And like that's, you know, my stories always go back. I always talk about the fact that, you know, in fourth grade I had the Game Pro and that's when it all dawned on me. But like the review crew of, you know, Shu and Che and stuff like that, like that was the one, they, those were my like idols growing up. You know what I mean? And like to the point that like, obviously I always tell the story of like, there's only been two times in my life when I couldn't stop talking. Number two was when I met Shu for the first time when I was working at IGN and just unloaded on him at a holiday party, how like he changed my life and all that stuff. And he's like, cool. And like backed away <laughs> and like left. But like even like that, and that was like year one of IGN. And then last year at RTX, I ran into Che for the first time at Torchy's Tacos. Yeah. And I, like, we sat down and I was playing it cool and I was fine. And I'm like, by the way, you totally changed my life too. Yeah. And he's like, oh, don't say that. Say that well, I, remember, I remember when he said his name. Like that was one of those things where I was like, I've never met. Never met a Che before. Yeah, yeah. And then it, I looked at him like, oh my God, it's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is crazy. Yeah, and I mean, I, I know, I don't know if that sounds weird. To, I mean, it probably sounds weird to the younger people now who don't, who, who you know, there's so many games personalities, right? But like, EGM was the, was the one that had like, here's, we are showing you their face, here's the information about them, and here's what they're playing right now, and here's a little anecdote. And it made him characters. Anecdote. I think yeah. that's kind of the, the most important thing is like, you know, Sushi X. And, yeah, oh, Sushi um, X. And, uh, um, what's his name? Sean Baby. Oh, and, Sean and all, Baby. And all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's like they they were the ones that were really kind of making this a pop culture thing where it's yeah. like the act of reviewing the games and the people reviewing the games were people, characters, yeah. things, you know, like that you could latch onto. And I think that was really the start of, at least that I remember, of latching onto people and wanting to know their opinions. Exactly. And you'd come through and you'd see, like, okay. She likes games X, Y, and Z, and you know Shane likes this, this, and this. And you'd go to the review, and there'd be differences in their scores, and you could do the thing of like, oh, that's cool, but I agree more with Shu's favorite games right now, so that's why his opinion is weighted more to mean more for me. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, again, I, 
I know that sounds so pedestrian now, obviously, right? There's 15,000 reviewers yeah. everywhere. So you know if Colin says something, but Jim says something, but I say something, that it's, you know, whatever. It's You know everyone's opinion on everything. You know everybody so well, but that was so groundbreaking at the time you know mm. what i mean let alone the fact of how thick those magazines used to oh be. my god the december issue every yeah. year that's oh, like 248 Lord. pages and yeah. like lots of ads but like but. lots of information on all these different games yeah and then you get your e3 one like you know and afterwards and you see all these photos and, all and that crazy... was it like that's how you got yeah. your e3 information and it was just like i i'll never forget seeing the the issue of egm after the e3 where they announced mario sunshine metroid prime and wind waker yeah and all three of them were on the cover and i was like Shut up. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is crazy. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, EGM's definitely my answer. That yeah. is my, the one that I loved the most, but I, I went in on all of them, man. Really? Like, yeah. Game Pro and PSM were my low rung ones that I didn't need to. Yeah. yeah. Every the month. cover stories. What's the cover story? Yeah, exactly. Page three, uh, what's we'll okay. see. But, uh, official PlayStation Magazine, that mm-hmm. demo disc. Yeah, like, yeah. That was such a, a big thing. That was so expensive and I couldn't get it every month. But, yeah. like, it, because the demo disc, that was an experience in itself. That's such a great idea. You need to have. And then uh, once I got my Xbox, there was the, um, I forgot what it was called, the official Xbox magazine. That was all right. Uh, but then, of course, Nintendo Power. Yeah, did like, you do Nintendo Power? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, was a Sega kid, right? So there I mean, was no I Sega was Power. I was a Nintendo kid. So it's yeah, like yeah. Nintendo Power to me was like, I'll never forget. The reason I know about Pokemon was Nintendo Power. Yeah. Had this little comic book that was like the first issue or the first episode of the Pokemon cartoon but in comic book form sure and it also was like a strategy guide for like the first whatever like gym or whatever and i was like what is this yeah i need it <laughs> and uh that's the power of those magazines yeah you know? and it's I'll, I'll always remember them and i when i moved i had to throw my collection out and it was heartbreaking yeah. but i went through issue by issue of all my nintendo powers all my egms all my gaming for everything yeah and any if i looked at it and it resonated with me I kept it. Yeah. So I still I have a box full of like the most important issues. To yeah. Me. That's but, why I still have it on the bookshelf. I think it is that my PlayStation Two launch edition of EGM, EGM. That, that blue not, cover and the, that was yeah, a thick, of like, a thick yeah, issue. Yeah, because it was like they, they had it was like it was like the most like EGM like on point with everything, but it was the most like off weird thing like their whole thing of like it was like all these models like walking into a house with oh. all the launch games are like playing ps2 in the pool <laughs> you're like what the fuck yeah. are you doing but like <laughs> you said it was just like the the art so you know coming to this thing and like walking through dvds and like how this was going to work and what the launch lineup was like holy shit and i remember that was one like i kept forever and i took it with me to on october 26 2000 to wait in line or october 25th to wait in line for the midnight launch right and me and my friend adam just passing it back and forth reading it and like fantasizing about watching What's fucking gonna be ghostbusters and, special features yeah and oh my god like that's that's so crazy yeah just think about it. and for me it was the hundredth issue of egm i think that will go down in history as the most important thing to ever happen to me as a gamer and for who I am today. Yeah. Because they did the top 100 games of all time list in that. And now lists are fucking everywhere. Sure, sure, sure. It's like IGN has a top 25 list every two seconds about games. But to me, that was the first time I'd ever seen lists, uh, video games ranked. Right. And like, here's the 100 best games of all time. And when that must have been 1998 or 9, maybe 99 when it happened. And uh, I read that thing back to front or front to back, back to front, any which fucking way. Yeah. yeah. So many times that those hundred games became embedded in my memory of like 
oh shit, these mean something to video games. And I was young at that point that I missed out on so much stuff. None of Final Fantasy didn't mean anything to me. I didn't mm-hmm. know what it was. Like all the shit and to look through and to see them review or to see how high Final Fantasy VI was or Final Fantasy VII. And um, to see that where they, like that was why I played Super Metroid. It was uh, the number two, I think, on that list. And it introduced me to all these different games. Like I had just played Mario. I just played like core Nintendo games. And to see the history of video games in that perspective, I was like, holy shit, like I need to get in on this. And then slowly I went through and played the majority of those games now. Yeah. You know, what about you, Colin? Uh, from like the late eighties to like the mid nineties, Nintendo power was, was my jam. And those were really special times. Although when you look back and realize that Nintendo power was basically just a mouthpiece, it, 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 I think, I think we remember Nintendo power a little too fondly, to be honest. Um, and it's not to say they were dishonest. It's just to say that I feel like they focused a lot on the positive and not necessarily the negative. But I mean, um, that's Nintendo, you know? And like, I yeah, guess but we the... didn't. But it wasn't clear when you're a kid, really, that Nintendo owns this magazine. You know, like like that Nintendo puts this magazine out and stuff like that. And it was fine because I didn't really give a fuck anyway. I, I just I I I loved that magazine and and uh, I still have some of them. But I used to rip them apart and like put things on my wall from them and stuff yeah. all the time. I just had like all these ads on my wall, basically sure. of, like great. Nintendo games like and just I remember random ones like I had a Snow Brothers ad on my wall so I'm like why do I have this that, that's what I miss the most about these magazines so it's how good the ads were God, yeah the ads were different the, yeah fuck. the ad I remember the most for some reason is a later ad that was in EGM and EGM 2 which was the Gex one with the uh, oh, yeah. uh, with like the car and the hot chick yeah uh, um, the spandex yeah mm. uh, but yeah by the mid 90s so I, I had Nintendo power from I, I mean my brother got it like the, like the Mario 2 one and the Castlevania ones were really the early ones so it was very beginning all the way through, I would say, I don't know, I remember getting Donkey Kong Country in, I don't know, it's probably like 95, 96, around N64. And then uh, EGM I liked because it was agnostic, so I, I could learn a little bit more about the mm-hmm. things that I didn't have, even though, and kind of learn about why I should ridicule my Sega playing friends and stuff like that. Um, and then EGM 2 I really loved a lot because, oh. and EGM 2 was actually, when, when I consider how I got into the industry and I got into the industry more writing technical documents and facts and stuff like that. EGM two was super instrumental in that. Um, it made me love strategy and stuff like that. Um, and strategy guides, uh, cause EGM two was all about, was all about tips and tips tricks. and tricks and stuff so like there that. Was, then there was extreme gamer. Was that what the other one was? That was the strategy one. I, I don't remember. Did EGM two become that? I don't know. Maybe it did. EGM two went away eventually. I remember. Yeah, that. I remember I getting something in the mail. Game. Yeah. I remember getting something in the mail being like EGM two is no longer a thing. And I remember like what, if it was another magazine or whatever, I don't and then I got for two years a, in the late '90s, uh, Next Generation, which was really, really good. It was like very high quality publishing and stuff like that, and it was more insight into more like the stuff that I ended up writing, I guess. Actually, yeah. later on, so I guess that, that was pretty inf- influential. And then uh, I remember very clearly my friend uh, Stephen, uh, who I played hockey with when I lived in New Hampshire, um, had a PS One before I did, and he got the first issue of PSM, which was uh, the Final Fantasy VII issue. Um, if I remember correctly, and uh, I remember being at his birthday party, I think it was like seventh or eighth grade, and I, I guess it was seventh grade, and I was flipping through it, and um, was it seventh grade? No, I guess it was, I was going to eighth grade, actually, and uh, I remember flipping through it and being, this is awesome, it had the lid cover of the smiley face and all that kind of stuff, that, and uh, yeah. I took the thing out of it and subscribed, and I, I, I got PSM from issue two to, so that was 97 to 2004, 2005, um, so that was the magazine I probably got the most, and I stopped even reading it, probably. Uh, like I just got them. Yeah. Actually, like I think at some point they just kept sending it to me. Like I don't even remember renewing that after a while. Like I think I probably paid them like thirty dollars in total. And well, got, PS, like, PSN was like PSM was super cheap. 
it was like ten dollars for yeah. two years or something because like, it was just Adelaide. And plus, yeah. they had the websites, and that was Imagine Media and stuff like that. I think. Um, so that was it. But I mean, by by ninety seven. 98 I was reading pretty much all my game news online so it was it was uh a matter of like just having a supplemental thing you can bring on car rides and shit yeah. with you or whatever like because I, I I I you were talking about E3 and all that kind of stuff like I don't remember ever being surprised by E3 after like 1997 you know like I oh, remember really? I remember See, I, I didn't remember have a being... computer and like a lot of the people I knew like my my age group didn't have computers you know so it's like to us we still didn't hear about these games until yeah like I mentioned like Wind Waker and all that stuff that was what 2002 Wind Waker was uh, no, no, that would have been because right, I was I was already living at the Antler House. Yeah, it came must out have been 2003. Yeah, 2001 was when GameCube came out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's like I'm sure that stuff was all over the internet then, but it's like that didn't mean anything and to that, me. It might as well not have existed. That was the thing. Like you, you we talk about like you know old media, new media, da 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 da. How magazines died out and stuff. But I didn't realize it was happening at the time though, because I was that guy who you know had EGM every month, and then Game Informer, and then I picked up stuff at the supermarkets, and then that all washed out washed away you know what i mean i remember how important it was to me that i switched my egm mailing address to mizzou you know what i mean because like those were friends coming with me and i wanted that experience and, like that taste of home but i yeah i was all over ign at that i mean I, ign really came to prominence for me with like playstation 2 and like the run-up to that where every day in computer you know in computer lab or whatever the fuck that class was i'd click over and read it and they had the countdown clock of how close we were to playstation 2 and stuff like that but like EGM, I hung in there till you know it, it was all said and done because like that was like a staple. But it was by the end a quaint staple, right? Yeah. Of like I've read what reviews do they have early and what reviews do they have extremely late. Yeah. That was always the game, right? Of like oh they're oh, gonna be ahead funny. on some and way behind on others. Yeah, yeah that's the nature of the publishing, I guess. Like yeah, I I feel like. I remember getting Nintendo Power again in college to specifically to get that Zelda disc for GameCube, and then I just canceled it um, because you had to get it. Yep. Uh, and I was like, well, I guess I have to do it. Um, and I'm glad I did because I wanted that really bad. Uh, Real bad. But yeah, I, the late 90s were the, w- was the rise of Merc channels and fan sites and stuff like that. And I felt like... I was awash with fucking game news at that point. Like it was, it was, I was reading random sites that don't exist anymore. Some of them do. Like one of my favorite sites when I was a kid was, um, um, like all, like basically just a lot of the various like niche RPG role playing and strategy sites. There's a lot of them. And, and so like, I didn't even really read or like IGN until probably the turn of the century where I was like, you know, where I was reading like some of the bigger sites because I was so invested in this, in this subculture based on MIRC and all this kind of stuff where people would, point you in different directions to find different websites that yeah. you know were just run by a few people in their spare time. And I think yeah. some of these websites yeah. like kind of still exist. And mm-hmm. um, there was something, there was something very personal and very cool about it. Um, you felt like you were in something you were in yeah. this like, club. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I, I felt like it was, it was something very, um, very enjoyable and very intimate and kind of like what we're trying to maybe do with this. It, it, it's almost, I guess what I'm saying is it's almost like what's old is new again, because I feel yep. like, I feel like the internet's almost reverting back to that where, People would rather have a more intimate relationship with a few people and and something a little smaller and not these megalithic websites that really can't please everyone and seems to please fewer fewer people and fewer people as time goes on because they're looking for their little communities that they can kind of latch onto and I think I was very much like that in the late nineties and it's so funny to talk about it because it was like it was a fucking long time ago you yeah. know I, I feel, I feel like it, but it was man. yeah I mean I'm, I'm talking like seventeen years ago you know I mean that's that's an incredible. An incredible amount of time, but I was so immersed in just video games. And I remember how cool it was when my dad got me uh, my own phone line so I can – and I had a 56K modem on my Sony Vio. And I remember um, 
that I didn't have to like disconnect and I would stay online forever. And I remember I used to obsess over, I used to be on AIM and I'd have my own name on my AIM list and I would obsess over how long I was online. And I would, sometimes I'd be able to stay on for like months, you know, like without getting disconnected. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you would just have like your MIRC windows open in your ICQ window, which I don't even know if anyone uses ICQ anymore. Do you remember yeah. ICQ? It's like a messenger, like a personal messaging system that was based on like digits instead of names. Um, and all this kind of stuff. And like just obsessing over like you leaving your away message up when you were gone at school and then coming back and seeing if like anyone from these various sites message you and all. I don't know. It, it was a different and closer knit community. And then I kind of segued over to GameFAQs. And that's kind of how I found yeah, my way GameFAQs, here. GameFAQs, man. That was it for me. Um, this makes me think I want to find the 100th issue of EGM. We should do a topic where we look at the, the top 100 games. Oh, then, sure. Because it'd be interesting to look at what the top 100 games in 1998 nine were it'd be very different than a top 100 list today oh yeah God damn. um maximum cortez asks did you ever rent consoles from rental stores i also want to give a shout out to him he drew this awesome fan art of me as ash oh with the pokemon. pokemon yeah and it looks fucking legit uh but yeah did you ever rent consoles no i didn't i want to say i rented an, a nintendo console at some point but I don't remember what it was. I remember really, really, really badly wanting to rent the Game Boy Advance when mm-hmm. it came out and had Fire Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Oh, that I was, was like, a launch game. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know if I want this console, but I want to play that game so badly. And I was going somewhere. I forget where. Were you a Fire Pro fan? Did you even know what it was at that time? I was a big wrestling. Just... Oh, I didn't port it before. I didn't oh, okay. port it before. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I, was... I was always on the hunt for a great wrestling game. Yeah, it was that that that. That I remember like yesterday that Game Boy Advance launch because I I got it the day it came out and yeah, that, the too. white the Arctic white. Yep. Tony GBA too. I got. Oh, yeah. What did I get? I got Castlevania, C- Circle of the Moon, obviously Sup- yeah. uh, Super Mario Advance, which was Mario Two, and then um, the Dodgeball game. It was Super oh, Dodgeball. Oh, Dodgeball! Yeah, yeah. That, that was, was a good launch, man. There was a Rayman game. Yeah, it was. I was a great. I actually, that's what I was kind of thinking in my mind. I'm like, that might be really. I still think that. I know people think I'm crazy. That pound for pound, the Vita launch probably had the best, the best games. I remember when we were. We were yeah, Luminous. we taught like there was a lot of just. Great games for the system. It didn't matter. Um, but I look at Game Boy Advance and I'm like, there was actually a really solid lineup of games where I remember I remember buying that and being like, this is this is pretty awesome. And GBA GBA is underrated. I think it came and went a little too fast because the DS kind of came and they wanted to have that yeah. three pillar thing, and then the the DS ended up just destroying kind of destroying everything. So I I I really really was. I remember getting the clamshell too when Pokemon Ruby, Ruby and came Sapphire, out. Yeah, and um, oh, yes. clamshell was awesome. That's when I jumped on. I actually me. bought one. Well, that was it was a mind changing kind of thing for me because I remember, I remember what being so revolutionary about that was uh, charging. is charging it. Yep. And I was like, this is so fucking cool. Like, I don't have to buy batteries anymore. I was going through batteries like fucking crazy on my yeah. on my yeah. on my Arctic White uh, G, like the flat GBA. So no headphone jack. That was some bullshit. Yeah, it was. Weird. Yeah, you had to buy like a proprietary thing, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I remember it was just so compact and, and I remember going to Target and buying it and I was like, this is kind of fucking cool, man. And I, I, I don't backlight, know that, that was, man. Oh, God. yeah. The backlight was everything, especially because it, it's, it's so, it's such a, it's so, uh, it's so juxtaposed to circle of the moon, especially was so dark, uh, on that. Like it was, you couldn't fucking see that game. I'll never, yeah. I'll never forget that as long. I remember playing like under a lamp being like, this is so fucking dark. Like, how are you supposed to play this game? Um, and that th- those problems were solved with the, with the inclusion of a backlight, which was y- you could only do when you can charge the system. So it was it was kind of an ingenious way to go because we at that point we were charging our cell phones and we were kind of getting used to that sort of thing. So um, yeah, I, I really am very fond of the Game Boy Advance, and I don't feel like a lot of people talk about it anymore. It was the death of the Game Boy? 
So um, that is a great lineup too. When you go back and mm-hmm. look at all the games that came out on it, a lot of great role playing games. Definitely and I still cool. say, I know some people think I'm crazy. I still think the, the definitive version of Final Fantasy VI is on GBA, mm-hmm. just because it was portable and and it was it was tight and it's how we remembered it. And it wasn't on the fucking PS One. I hated that fucking version. Um, it wasn't as bad. Chrono Trigger was the really bad one yeah. on PS One. I remember. I'll never forget that as long as I live. How disappointing that was. I rented a, a PS Two during the launch weekend from Blockbuster because uh-huh. I knew. Damn, I was, how'd you get your hands on it? Uh, I just I knew the people at Blockbuster gotcha. and like it was definitely like a thing where I knew that I wasn't gonna get that system. Yeah, like, yeah. like I didn't get a PS2 until the time around when Onimusha came out. So okay. it was like a was little, little bit later. Um, I think right. Yeah, spring two thousand one because Onimusha two came out summer two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. So I remember I renting it and I got Fantavision and oh. Street Fighter was it Alpha, EX? EX whatever the hell and I was just like oh god. I yeah, Fantavision. I want. I Fantavision. I don't think is that bad, but it was it that that was what was so funny. Is the PS2's launch sucked. Yeah, and like so and like bad, that. Man. And what was so Smuggler's fu- Run. Smuggler's Run. Was good. Oh, SSX was um was rented, so I couldn't get it. Uh, and Smuggler's that's why Run in Madden were the standouts because mm-hmm. like Madden looked so real, you couldn't believe how real this fucking game looked. Yeah, yeah. The, what I remember about the PS2 launch was because so. I got my PS2 today, the day it came out. My mom bought it for me, and the my birthday was uh, right before it. So the agreement, as I've said before, was that it would be my birthday present and my Christmas present. And the only way you can get a PS2 at GameStop, which was EB at the time for me, was uh, you had to buy a console, a warranty, a controller, a memory card, and a game. It was 500 bucks. And I remember my mom being like, this is a lot of money, so if you want this you know, this is all you're getting. I was like, that's fine. And I remember back then you could bring your, you, I, I can't believe we still could, like we could have done this uh, in the, in the 90s and early 2000s. And you guys probably remember, you could just bring back your games like after yeah. a week and just opened and played and just be like, I don't want this anymore. And like, and they would take it back. And I remember doing, I did that for the PS2, not to be a dick, but like probably four times. I'm like, these games suck. You know what I mean? I I I think Genji or whatever was the, one of the first games I got. Then I think wow. that was what it was called. Then I ended up with Summoner, and I'm like, oh fuck, Damn, I fucking hate fucked. this game because I, I was looking at the lineup. I was such a role playing game nerd, and I'm like, what? Is, there's there's nothing here for me. Like there there's nothing I want to play. I ended up with Smuggler's Run, which was fine, but and NHL 2001, I guess it was, right? Yeah, or maybe 2002. So I don't know what the fuck. No, it was. We 2001. Yeah. It would have been one. And uh, they were fun, but I was like. The PS2 launch had the highest volume of games because there was a lot of games and none of them were good. Yeah, I, that's like that's like what I remember the most. I was like, "There's nothing here." Like, Fantavision is a first party game. Like, I can't believe they didn't just and From Software made a few of those game, those launch games that sucked, which a lot of people don't know. And now they're you know famous for Dark Souls and stuff. But I remember that launch being so like so volumin- voluminous, I guess we'll call it, but not rife with quality. Sure. While, while I would have preferred a, a launch more like PS3s where. There were good games, plus third-party games, and then PS4's launch, I think, was even better. Yeah. Um, so no, for, for me, it was Silent Scope. I remember Silent hemming and hauling. Oh, yeah. Do I want Silent Scope or Madden? And I was like, I'll get Silent Scope. And yeah, I played it that first day, and I went back to the store. I was like, please give me Madden. <laughs> That's so fun. I can't believe like we. I remember doing that with so. I remember doing that with Beyond the Beyond. <laughs> I remember doing that with Saga Frontier, which I fucking hated. I hated that game. <laughs> I was so disappointed in that game because I think when I bought Final Fantasy Tactics, they advertised that game. I would buy anything that had Square on it for, like, years. Like, yeah. anything. The Bouncer? I liked The Bouncer. That was actually one of the first... I know people don't like that. That was one of the first PS2 games I thought was actually good. I remember trying to force myself to like The Bouncer, and I just couldn't do it. Like, oh, it wasn't bad. It was stylish. It was... It was. It, the PS2 took a long time to burn. It really wasn't until Animusha came out that we had... I think Animusha might be the first 
really great game for the console. And then it kind of came into its own in 2002. But at that point, what was funny about the PS2 was I had, you know, by the time GameCube came out, PS2 was there and I played a lot of it, but I was like more into the GameCube and the GameCube just had better games. Like period. Like I, I just, I just think that like I just think the GameCube was like so strong, and uh, so I would play you know the Grand Theft Autos and a lot, a lot of games on PS2. But I was all about that fucking GameCube, man. Um, and PS2 could have had me probably more. I expected the PS2 to have me have its hooks in me a little bit more than it did, considering how poor that launch lineup was. And it was, it was they launched it on hype, and in fact, it was a DVD player. It didn't matter. Yeah. It was very similar to the PS4, where it didn't seem like it mattered. Yeah, what was on it? Yeah, you know, just like people were just buying it anyway. I was like, yeah. all right, cool, We're excited. Yeah. And then actually, the first great, great, great game was Metal Gear Solid 2. That's what I was going to mm-hmm. say. But I, it's just because Onimusha, I remember being devi- divisive, right? Like, I wasn't super into it, but Adam Brown, I remember, loved it. You know what I mean? But, like, Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, was the one where everybody was like, this Everyone. is amazing. And that was, that was what? That was 2001? Was fall 2001? Yeah, yeah. so GTA. that's... Yeah, and, and then GTA, GTA yeah. 3, which was before Metal Gear. I... That was September or October, right? And then Metal Gear was November? That sounds right. Like I that? think it was October and then November. And then yeah, so I remember yeah, and then and then that was around the time when GameCube came out. So it was it was uh then it was all about Smash and stuff like that that fall, that 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 Christmas season. I don't know, man. And then I, I remember I don't know why I remember it was it must have been like August 2002 around there July 2002 when when I think Super Mario Sunshine 2 or Super Mario Sunshine and Animusha 2 came out the same day. And, Wasn't that uh, in August? It was, it was probably Sunshine? yeah, some some somewhere in there. And I remember my dad picking them up for me and being really mad that I had told him to go to the mall. I'll never forget it. Um, but I was like, I want, I want those games. I need those games. I need it. You know. And then I wrote a, I promptly wrote a fact for uh, Sunshine. Yeah, uh, I, I remember, remember getting that Sunshine was thirteen years the ago. Day it came out from EB. I'm so old. It's We're so happening. old. Thirteen years ago, that Sunshine came. Out. Holy fuck! That's crazy. What a game, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the kind of funny games cast. Please come back every week. Whether or not you think it's worth the dollar, I'll always think it's worth the dollar. It was worth it's the not, dollar. Day. We had a good time. Yeah, this was, was a good, good talk. One. This was a good one. This is the the shortest Q and A section. Well, not the shortest. This was a, a long Q and A session, but only two topics, two questions. Oh, we, we went off on them. Oh, oh wow, interesting. Yeah. Well, let me re- let me reiterate. Don't name your kids after characters that are still active. I think the, the here's the <laughs> I, 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 I I got hung up on it too because you kept saying I don't understand what's so ridiculous about it. What's so Crazy about your statement about Dana- or what is it, Khaleesi? Khaleesi. However, because she's got fifteen fucking names in this yeah. goddamn well, book. is her name, right? I didn't yes. want to get into it. I didn't want to get it into is. all her fucking stupid names. What I'm saying, the the funny thing about this is, you're like, you keep comparing it to Judas, which is a story not every kid, but lots of kids learn and know. I don't think seven, eight years from now on the playground, all these kids are going to remember Game of Thrones. The parents might be like, "Oh, you know, oh, Khaleesi, like the Game of Thrones thing," and I don't. But I don't oh, like that awful woman. Oh, the one who kicked, the, punted the babies in the sky. George Railroad Martin really phoned it in there. The I, just think be, I just think you got to be cautious. I like the idea. Like I said, I think there needs to be more creativity with names. Absolutely, and I love people taking inspiration from anything, like I, uh, from books or, or whatever uh, games. But you got to be careful. Real question is, real careful. How since the rise of us. Podcast Beyond, yeah, kind of funny. How many kids have been named Shuhei? I don't know. In Japan, no, a here, lot of them. In the states, I don't know. I mean, that's a very Shuhei Moriarty. That's a very interesting question because I wonder. Yeah, Shuhei Moriarty. That would be that'd be interesting. Um, a lot of Tabuscus too of it. Tabuscus. <laughs> yeah, there probably is PewDiePie's running around. <laughs> the bigger Boy. question I'm wondering is if 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 one of our viewers is indeed named Judas. 
Let us know. Send Let us, us know photos the... of your IDs. Actually, just mail us your passport. Let us know. Let us know in the comments. Let us <laughs> yeah. know in the comments below. Because is, that is. An, is that Let a name that's used? Is. Is that a, have you ever known Some, a Judas? No, I've never known a Judas, but I have to imagine somebody's named Judas. Some parents are like, fuck yeah, it. If, if your name's Hitler, let me know too, because that's weird. Yeah, I know, but like... Shut up, Cameron. 